Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series brought to you by Think Red Ink Ministries in Pytown, New Mexico. Always glad to have you as a part of our show and uh, we hope that you're enjoying the series. You do know this is a series, right? We've been uh, broadcasting now uh, for a, a good while and we are, we are well into the red words of Jesus Christ. Uh, the red words referring to the words in your red letter edition Bible. I know uh, there's some people that don't have a red letter edition Bible. It's news to them that there is such a thing. Uh, they've been around for about a hundred years or so, but um, it, was a, it was a design and an idea by a man who thought that the words of Jesus should be highlighted, that uh, we should know exactly what Jesus said. That coupled with the fact that uh, there's no such thing as quotation marks in the King James Bible, um, it, he thought that it, perhaps it was dubious or uh, somehow doubtful or uh, uncertain as to which words Jesus actually said. And uh, he thought that the words of Jesus should carry a certain weight. Well, guess what? I agree with him. I agree with him wholeheartedly. I think when the Son of God speaks, uh, not only should we be aware of what he says, but we should listen to what he says and do what he says. Well, um, thus the, the birth, the impetus, the motivation behind Think Red Ink Ministries. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing or would like more information about what we talk about here on the air, uh, I invite you to go by thinkredink.com. And uh, from there, it's pretty much a hub to just about everything we do. And um, you, from there, you'll be able to find whatever uh, happens to interest you. Um, we are in a, um, what would you call that? It's kind of a, a, a paradox situation because um, I've been called of God to teach and to preach that uh, we essentially don't need preachers and teachers. <laughs> it's, it's an odd position to be in. I've had people criticize me for that reason, saying that you don't believe in teachers, but you're a Bible teacher. Well, yeah, but what am I teaching you? I'm teaching you that you don't need a teacher. Um, uh, you know, and that's not necessarily my words, but uh, the words of the apostle, uh, which says that you have no need that any man teach you. And uh, there's a, I don't know, a, a default mode into which uh, Americans and uh, modern man seems to fall. Uh, that uh, when it comes time to uh, advance ourselves in whatever area, it doesn't matter if you're building a birdhouse or you're uh, learning theology, uh, nowadays we just go to Google or we ask Siri or something like that. I don't know what people are doing, but uh, it does seem that they default to finding someone who does know, asking them and and employing them in one way or another to teach them what they need to know, um, which uh, is not necessarily a bad thing, but it is a very precarious thing. It's, it's, a, it's almost a dangerous thing. You can find yourself um, in, in a situation where you're 
being taught something and you're accepting what's being said as truth because of your uh, merited or unmerited honor or respect that you have for your teacher. Um, uh, you know, we, we kind of grew up in a society where, well, when our parents say, you do it because I say so, uh, we, we kind of uh, applaud uh, the attitude of, of rebellion. You don't just necessarily have to do something because somebody says so. Well, well, essentially, yes, you do, especially when there's people that are in authority over you. But um, we do have a tendency to uh, not question our teachers um, and, and the people who have things to say to us for a lot of different reasons. The main one is just respect. Uh, if, if I didn't respect this person as a teacher, I wouldn't have employed him as my teacher. So when he says something, I have a tendency to want to believe it. The other reason is, is that we have a tendency to expect or at least um, um, we, we offer to our teachers uh, an, an emotion, um, uh, a, an impetus, a, uh, a motivation on their part that they may or may not have. And that is that, okay, if they're a teacher, then they have my best interest at heart. Do you know that's not always true? Um, that's, well, I'll tell you that the fact is, uh, I, I don't know that it's true in a lot of cases. Uh, most people are self-promoting, and uh, they they just want bigger and better for themselves. And you're just a stepping stone to to accomplish that. Well, there's going to be teachers out there and preachers out there hearing this and saying that's not true. I really care about people, and I'm sure you you do, friend. But um, do you really uh, uh, filter? What you know? Do you really test what you know? Do, have you really come to that conclusion because of of, of a deduction of so-called facts? Uh, have you come to that uh, conclusion because of your own personal study, your own your own opinion? You see, I think that when it comes to student, I didn't plan on talking about this, but I think that it's important. I think that <clears throat> students uh, that uh, go to teachers, I think that a lot of times that happens because of a, a feeling of inadequacy on, the, on their part that, you know, I'm really not qualified to do this. I'm really not qualified to uh, find my own spiritual direction. Um, and then there's the default in the other direction of uh, saying that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fully qualified to do so when the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, well, you need to know that there was a time when the most respected Bible teacher, the one that you hold in the highest regard, there was a time when he felt the very same way. And so he sought out a teacher or a college of teachers or uh, a, a group of uh, counselors or whatever, and, uh, and he believed what his teacher said for the same reason that you're believing what he says. This is a this is a convoluted, uh, uh, even even circular 
situation that just never seems to get any better. Nobody seems to break out. Nobody ever seems to fly off of this merry-go-round, except in you know extreme cases and people that we've called essentially nuts over the years. Um, you know, a man like Martin Luther is a guy who who flew off of the merry-go-round. Um, unfortunately, I mean, I don't agree with everything that Martin Luther did or said or his attitude about things. He tried to climb back on that merry-go-round too many times to satisfy me. But um, uh, usually when there is a man that uh, has a revelation or that doesn't necessarily go with the status quo, we have a tendency to say that he's a nut. Uh, we say that, you know, he's, he's, he's strange and uh, he, he's weird and stay away from that guy. Why? Because he doesn't say what everybody else says? Uh, is that why we're supposed to do that? Or are we supposed to indeed discern for ourselves exactly what is true? Oh my goodness, you can't, you can't mean that, that it's going to be my responsibility. That's not what you're saying, is it? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. It is your responsibility. Uh, and if you think this is just way too much responsibility, I'm sorry about that, but you're not going to ever be anything more than uh, you know, the, the pitiful examples of Christianity that you see around you all the time until you decide that, first of all, you are fully and even uniquely qualified to make these, to, to make these judgments and discernments within yourself. God didn't leave us comfortless. He didn't leave us with nothing. He didn't leave you with that puny little brain working on 7 to 11% of its capacity to try to figure out how to get, get to heaven when you die. He didn't, he didn't leave us comfortless. There's a reason why our brains don't function like they do. Uh, we, can't, we can't handle them at this level. We can't even control our thoughts at this level. There's a, it's amazing to even think about what a human being would be like, like Adam operating on 100%. It's, it's just hard to even fathom with our puny little brains. Well, he didn't leave you with your... I, I always hear people uh, who make uh, judgments or, or, or they make evaluations, and you think, well, uh, you know, how did you come by this? Uh, is this is this some scriptural principle? Well, it may not be in the scriptures, but God gave us a brain. <laughs> well, He gave Adam one. Uh, what you've got, I'm really not sure. <laughs> if it's anything like mine, I know it's nothing like Adam's. I know that uh, that we have suffered a, a degradation in our in our in our bodies and in our minds in the world. Uh, we're on that that. Uh, uh, devolutionary spiral downward and that's why things tend to get worse and the worse among us say that things are getting better. It's weird the world that we live in. Well the good news is is God didn't leave you with that to help you find your way back. It's pitch dark outside, there's no moon, it's totally black, you can't see. Well you know what do you want? Do you, do you want a, a lamp for your path, or do you just want a book of matches? Or do you just want to holler ahead and say, is there anybody up there? Uh, yeah, we're up here. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just keep walking towards you, you know. I, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to follow you. 
It's amazing how um, unimportant this, this is to us. And um, so there are people who inordinately attach themselves to their Bibles, attach themselves to their churches and their pastors and, and whatever spiritual leadership there is around you. And um, it, it's a dangerous thing to do. And it's, it's, it's almost foolish to do so. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a wonderful scripture that illustrates what I've been t- saying to you all along here. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Now you're talking to a, a man named John at this point. This is a, an apostle of the Lord who is saying that, look, there, there's, there's three that bear record on the earth. Uh, bear record of what? Of the, the Messiah having been here and, and accomplished what he accomplished. He said, and, and those things, do you know the scripture talking about the water and the blood and uh, the, how he is uh, testifying to the fact that I was there, I saw this happen, I, I am an eyewitness of this situation? And then he goes on to say something that is really strange to the modern ear. And that is, he says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. You want to see, when I start saying this, uh, those of you who have memorized scripture and such, immediately launch into that, that mimicking, parroting mode and you start to repeat the scripture along with me, or perhaps this is the first time you heard it, I don't know. But we have a tendency to just kind of, in, in some certain cadence or uh, a sing-song manner, we tend to uh, quote scripture. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as a light that shines in the dark place. And, and, and you're not listening to what it says. You're not, you're not paying attention. Listen, I don't know about you, but if somebody tells me that there is a more sure word of prophecy, more sure than an eyewitness account, I'm interested in that. I'd like to know what that is. You're saying that there is something that is more sure than seeing is believing? He said, I stood at the cross. I saw the water come out. I saw this man destroyed in front of my eyes. He also witnessed the resurrection. These are not things you've seen, my friend. You've not seen these things. You accept all these things by faith. He didn't have to. He was there. Then he introduces an idea. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well, that you take heed. Uh, have I lost you in the old English? He's saying that there's something more sure than seeing this with your own eyes, than witnessing this with your own life. To, there's something more sure than being there. And you would do well to take heed to that thing that I'm about to tell you about, the more sure word of prophecy, you would do well to take heed to that. Then he uses this very same example I used a while ago. He says, as a light that shines in a dark place, 
until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. The Bible teaches that not it, not, not the book itself, but that the Word of God, the living Word of God, and I told you there's only two definitions of the Word of God according to the Scriptures. One of them is the title of Jesus Christ, um, and, and thus revealing His origins and His life and His, and his future. And when, when the Lord God, by way of Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit or He Himself, um, uh, which would be a rare situation, but um, when He communicates with mankind on the earth, when that is going on presently, that is called the Word of God. This is the Word of God to you. This is Him speaking to you. The only two definitions in the Scriptures of the Word of God. And um, He's saying that the Word of God is that more sure word of prophecy. This is better than eyewitness account. Better than eyewitness account? There are people who bank their entire lives, and unfortunately, their eternal lives, on what they read in the Bible. They have to have as much faith in the Bible as they ever do in God. Now, are you saying that you know, we shouldn't have faith in the Bible? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that faith in the Bible is not faith in God. The Bible tells us about him. It tells us his name. It tells us what he's done. Oh, oh, you know, all the past all the way back to creation. Talks about what he's going to do into the future a thousand years after he returns and sets up his kingdom on the earth. It's, it's, it's a wonderful book. It has tons of information in it things that we should know, things that we need to know. However, there's something more sure than that. What in the world could be more sure than that? There's people that think that what I'm saying right now is blasphemy against the Scriptures. The Scriptures don't make the claims for itself that preachers make for the Bible. You'll never find in the Scriptures where it teaches you that every word in this book is absolutely complete. There's nothing can be added to it or taken away from it. Oh, wait a minute, Don. I know there is Scripture that says that. No, you know it in two places. One of them is the law of God is not to be added to or taken away from, and the, and the revelation of Jesus Christ is not to be taken away from or added to. That's all. It's not talking about the King James Bible. It's not talking about the library of books you have in, in leather-bound edition in your hand. It's not talking about that book at all. It's talking about the revelation of God, which, by the way, was the word of God to John. Um, and it's talking about the law of God, the thing that Jesus said would never pass away. You're not allowed to add or take away from that. The Bible does not make claims for itself like we make for it, that it's a complete book and nothing can be added or taken away, that all you ever need to know about life is contained in the Scriptures. That's not so. We all know that's not so. But what do we do? We add weight and credence to what our Bible teachers say to us for reasons of respect, for reasons of love, perhaps 
um, you know, an affection for that particular Bible teacher. It's hard to learn from somebody you don't love or that you don't care about or you'd rather not be around. You can do it, by the way. Um, but for, for whatever reason, we've added credence to what they've said. So therefore, it's become a truth with us. But if we let the Bible speak for itself about itself, we find exactly what it's here for, exactly how much uh, confidence we're supposed to have in it, and it, it falls into a rank and file that it is subject to our sovereign God. It's like when, when God came to Eli and said, Hey, Eli, I know I promised you that your sons were going to be you know, on the throne forever. They were going to be priests before me forever. But not anymore. Oh, wait a minute. I got your word on it. You know, and, and in uh, you know, modern word of faith style, shake your Bible in God's face and tell him. I have it in print. I got it in writing. I got a contract. You can do that if you want to. I wouldn't advise it. But there are people who feel that way. God, he's totally sovereign. He doesn't wake up in the morning and read his Bible to find out what he's going to do today. The, the scriptures, yes, they're true. But we have, to, we have to understand that they are what they say they are, not what we say they are. Uh, there are people who read verses out of the Bible and claim them for themselves. Well, you can claim it if you want to, but it wasn't said to you. It was said to somebody else. Well, I happen to know it works. I'm thinking, is that the criteria we're going to go by? It works. You know, there's people that take placebo medications that work. It doesn't mean that the medication is worth a dime. It just means that it works. So I'm getting what I want, so everything's copacetic. <laughs> I don't know that that's a good way to live. So how are we supposed to live? Well, why don't we look at some of the men who lived in the way that we're supposed to live and see what they have to say about it. And here you have John saying, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Using the example that I used earlier, he says, it's like a light shining in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. Now, friend, if, if it is indeed true that our scriptures, our understanding of history, whatever we can learn through our five physical senses is very much like a man holding a flashlight or a torch in the dark, waving it back and forth in the path as he goes. If this is, you know, in the middle of the night, he's trying to find his way home in, in pitch black, it makes perfect sense that he's got a flashlight or a torch. But if you saw a man doing that at noon, you'd think, he's nuts. <laughs> he's crazy. Well, this is exactly what John was saying, the Word of God revealed to our soul when He speaks from the inside up. When God speaks to us and teaches us and guides us and leads us and tells us what we need to know and reveals things to us, this is the day star. Do you know what the day star is? 
It's the sun. It is as silly as a man out with a flashlight after the sun comes up trying to find his way. You don't need that flashlight at noon. And I'm, and I'm telling you that I find millions of Christians scouring their Bibles and scouring their Sunday school literature and scouring their different books and going from seminar to seminar and church to church and preacher to preacher and listening to Christian radio and listening to Christian TV and trying to suck up some kind of spiritual understanding. You know what? It's just a bunch of people with a bunch of flashlights trying to make their way through the darkness. All the time the scriptures are teaching us, you have no need that any man teach you. The Spirit of God that brought you into this way of living, that same Spirit will teach you and lead you and guide you. What, what did Jesus mean when he says, you have one teacher? That's me. One teacher? Really? One? Is that, can that be? I gotta have a rabbi. I gotta have somebody to, to, you know, haul me around and tell me what to do. Jesus says, one is your rabbi. One is your rabbi, even Christ. And all of you are brethren. Nothing wrong with talking with your friends and talking with acquaintances and people that you love about the things of the Lord and learning from one another. That's what we're supposed to do. But we're supposed to do it with a very jaundiced eye. And we're supposed to do it with a critical eye. We're supposed to do it with an eye and ear trained by these scriptures. And especially the red ink in there. What the Son of God actually had to say when he came to the earth. Don't you care about what he thought was important? If it, what he thought was important, it, it hardly looks like it fits in our lifestyle. But it does. It is important. Do you realize if you were the person that you're supposed to be, all the situations in your life would be different. They would be, they'd feel different. They'd look different. You, you perhaps would solve 90% of them instantly if you were the person you need to be. So it doesn't surprise me that the Son of God comes to the earth and says, you know what? We need to be different people. <laughs> That's what we need to do. And he didn't know this, he didn't understand this, until he came to be one of us. And so he stands in a unique position like none other could ever stand. Jesus Christ is, is different in character. I, I get so tired of the arguments that Jesus Christ is like, he's like Muhammad or he's like Buddha. He's, no, no, no. He's the Son of God in flesh like the flesh you're wearing right now. That time's gone already. I'm sorry, long introduction, eh? Join us next time to hear more from the words of Jesus. Thank you for being a part of the show. I, I want to hear from you if you're listening to the show, if you're enjoying it at all, or if you're just sitting there scratching your head and wondering what in the world is this all about, I invite you to go to thinkreading.com or you can send me an email, ask me a question. We answer them on the radio all the time. Uh, just send an email to Don at thinkredinc.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email 
Don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.